0: Welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Got an awesome episode for you guys today. I hope you're having a great week and you're ready to learn a little bit more about how to do business better. On the podcast today, we got an amazing person, Elizabeth Pringer, who joins the show today. She is a serial entrepreneur and an incredible startup founder. She's the founder of the acicle You can find out more at asicle.com. It's a reusable compress designed for women to help recover from childbirth. She's also the co-founder of FemHealth Founders, an organization that's designed to help create a more welcoming ecosystem for women who are looking to scale their businesses in the health and wellness spaces. Lastly, she's the founder of Prose Creative, and she understands that your words matter when it comes to talking about the amazing business or service you offer. So if you want to get better brand messaging, copywriting, editing, and creative writing for what you do, go to proscreative.com. As you can tell, Elizabeth is doing so many amazing things, which is why it was so special to be able to sit down and have this conversation. Now, I will tell you, in the history of Good Advice, we've never had an interview where I've forgotten to hit record. However, there's a first time for anything. So as we jump into this conversation, you're actually going to be jumping into the start of the re-record process with Elizabeth, who was so kind and gracious to go through part of this conversation again. All that to say, stay tuned and enjoy this episode, you're going to learn thing or two about how to do business better. But before we dive in, here's a quick word about one of the amazing businesses in our area. See you soon. Hey, have you been thinking about your health insurance plan for this next year? Maybe you just jumped to the world of entrepreneurship and you're thinking, geez, is it possible to have a good insurance plan if I'm no longer working for a business? Maybe you're even running a business and you're thinking about what does it look like to have an affordable group plan for your employees? Well, I want to tell you about Optimum Health Insurance. This is a customized healthcare plan for you and your family. And since 2018, they've been helping people get awesome, affordable healthcare cover for really nothing at all. It's easy, it's hassle-free, and frankly, they're different from the big insurance companies that you might talk to. And crazy enough, you might even be paying less than what you've paid at a previous job when you were on some company health insurance plan. If you want to find out more and save money on your health insurance, you absolutely need to go check out OptimumHealthInsurancePlan.com. That's OptimumHealthInsurancePlan.com. That's today's sponsor. Enjoy this episode. So we're sitting down today with my friend Elizabeth. We're laughing because we've actually been talking for like 20 minutes. And you know what's funny about podcasting? You have to actually hit the record button to to get the recording. And so uh, Elizabeth was just sharing this amazing story about like why she does what she does, why she continues to grind every day. And uh, she joked about how she's not gonna be able to remember what she said. And then I was like, okay, wow, I'm not even recording this. So, you know, there's that. (laughs) Elizabeth, thanks for joining me on the show today. How are you?
1: I am. uh, Again, I'm doing very well. (laughs) You're like, I'm still
0: doing good. So... um, (laughs) Like, like I mentioned in our intro, uh, Elizabeth joining us today, um, she has her hand in a few different projects, um, FemHealth Founders, Pros Creative, uh, acicle which I want to talk about again, uh, now that we already dug into it. And um, I just, I feel bad for our listeners that they couldn't hear the first 20 minutes of this conversation. But basically for you guys who are just tuning in, um, we've, we've just been talking about the startup journey and how it's different from what... From the snazzy, beautiful, prim and proper image on social media, it is a grind. Um, Elizabeth, you had mentioned uh, you had been admitted to the hospital as a stroke patient just recently. Yeah. Like, I think this was this was last week or the like before. Two. Yeah, yeah two I weeks. mean, like, well, what's going through your head? By the way, when you're going to the ER, like, are you, do you think you're dying? Like, what's, what's you know,
1: happening? I. I kind of dismissed how I was healing for longer than I should have. I was having symptoms for about three days. And I know you you, you kind of know the symptoms of stroke, or at least I hope you do. Um, and if you don't, please go to the Heart Assist- American Heart Association website and brush up on that. But I was having like a headache, uh, which I don't normally get headaches very often. I was having blurry vision. I was having like these heavy Mm-hmm. I felt like there was like a rock on my chest. My arm was, I mean, my arm was hurting. Sign number mm-hmm. one, heart attack. Yeah. Like yeah. But I was like, no, it's just, an- I struggle with anxiety. It's just anxiety. I'm just like, I've got a lot on my plate. We've got this big retreat coming up and Fem Health uh, Accelerator retreat, and I'm doing all these things. And finally, it wasn't until I literally started stuttering during a meeting on the morning that I decided to finally go to the, the mm-hmm. ER that i was like i think i'm having a stroke and and i messaged my primary care doctor and uh they responded back the next day and she was like you have to go to the er right now and i was like oh no i've got meetings in bentonville i've got to go meet my co-founders and get through these meetings and at the end of the last meeting my co-founders were like elizabeth go to the hospital go to the hospital. Um, and they admitted me as a stroke patient when I got there because my blood pressure was like two hundred over one sixteen.
0: That sounds high.
1: <laughs> yeah, and for someone who is healthy and yeah. you know relatively young, I'm not forty yet, but I'm really close. But yeah. you know, okay, exercise, like, you know, I do all the things. Yeah, we should. I shouldn't be. Shouldn't have been there. But it's the anxiety that you. That I was carrying and the stress of all the, the the things and not even bad stress, just excited. Like I get really excited, yeah. anxious about things, and like your body podcasts was- where
0: the host doesn't record.
1: <laughs> Please <laughs> don't first. stroke out from that. Yeah, I, okay. it, it's something that I as well.
0: No, um, but I. But I yeah. you know, hearing your story though, and and for our listeners, you know, I think it's very tempting when you go through these feelings of stress and anxiety to think like there's something wrong with me. I mean, well, there was something wrong with you, but like in in a more of like a guilty shame, shameful way, only because social media does present this very pretty picture. And so it's like, why don't I have it all together? Why is this so hard? And I I do think that's a bit normal. Obviously, you know, you get to the point where (laughs) you need to go to the hospital. You should go to the hospital. Um, what, I mean, in the last couple of weeks, have you been like, like, what's the secret to like managing stress? Like, have you, Figured that part out yet or <laughs> no,
1: I am not the best person to ask. I will say, you know, we we early earlier, excuse me, earlier on in our conversation, we were talking about the difference between like a small business, a startup, and what all you know, the know the ecosystem that we're living in in the startup yeah. space. And I think when I was when I first started my first business, Pros Creative, I didn't see it as a startup. I saw it more as a small business, as a, a, a service based business. And I gave myself more time to meditate, to mm. go to acupuncture, to mm. yoga, do yoga, and felt really, really good. And kind of had this like slower pace. It was just me that I was worried about, and my and my clients. But I didn't feel nearly as much pressure as as I do now as a startup founder. And I don't know if it's a just a brain shift, but I don't make. I have not made as much time for the things that make me feel good. The the yoga, the meditation, the acupuncture. I don't even think I breathe the same way that I breathe as a small business owner versus a startup founder.
0: What do you Uh, think the difference is? Like, what do you think that is?
1: I, I think so... I don't know what the difference is. I think maybe it kind of goes back to th- that the difference between the small business and the start. You know, the startup is meant to be like massively scalable, and you're selling
0: yeah.
1: a product or, or a service at scale to the masses, and it, right. and it feels really big and complex, and you have the you know you have typically a startup requires capital resources so you're fundraising and then you have a board of advisors and you have investors right. to navigate vc or is it angel or is it an sbi yeah. what are all these yeah. acronyms ah! yeah. you know you're talking about the alphabet soup of the startup world and it's just it's a beast to take on especially if it's if you're a solo founder like right. like with acicle now with. Health Founders, I'm fortunate to have two incredible co-founders that are also building scalable businesses. So we're able to speak a very similar language about investors and, um, you know, the research and the building of board of advisors and all the things that we do on a daily basis. Yeah. But it's, it's a, a whole nother level of stress as a business owner.
0: Yeah, there is this other part to it. Like the whole I was talking to someone cuz they were asking like hey, do you help startup founders? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I've worked with startup founders. And they're like, oh, like with like their pitch deck. And I was like, oh, well, no, I don't I don't know. Do we either. need to talk about pitches. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I it it like early on I'd get questions like this and I just kind of opened my eyes to you know as a as someone offering something, selling something, whatever it is, you have like the actual product you have to take to market. And then there's this whole other beast around investing um you know pitch decks going to being part of accelerators funding um all of this stuff and then like and then also like figuring out like wait are we are pre revenue like so i need seed funding well when do i move to series like what is that exactly like learning like yeah. learning like the process of like startup growth as well um it's a lot it's a lot to balance i feel like
1: it, it's a lot. And I, I I, found myself early on in my journey, kind of the infancy stage of ASICL. I was seeking advice from anyone and everyone that would give me time. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to realize that not everyone has usable advice. And I was Damn. trying to use every piece of advice because I felt like they gave their time and they I need yeah. to use it. I need to be a good steward of that. And I wasted a lot of time. Um, of my own time and of their time trying to force advice, not force advice, but try to learn everything from everyone. But that's not a strategy that you need to be very, what I've learned is you need to be very strategic about who you want to seek advice from because not everyone understands your target market, your solution, the pain point that you're, you know, solving, um, and that was a really hard lesson to learn. So I'm, that's one piece of advice that I would like to share with everyone. Is I think being that's careful a who you're asking advice from.
0: I think that's a great piece of advice. Um, I'm going to accept that advice that you've given to me <laughs> uh, because I, I I think it's so wise in that. And for our listeners, you know, you're going to get a lot of advice and a lot of perspective. And I, it's not to imply that anything's ever given maliciously, but like what you said, that the context is sometimes lacking. Um, I had someone one time who was like, you need to, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. And is it, is that a good idea? Probably would someone buy it? Maybe my mom would, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you don't know, I, it. <laughs> but, but like the more I thought of it, I was like, that's just not a good use of my time right now. Um, so the advice was, was given in good faith or good motivation, Um, and it works for a lot of people. Like I have a friend of mine who just, just launched her book and it's going great. But I think what you just said is a really valuable insight. It's that ability to learn what to take, I guess, and what to politely say no to, I guess. Well, Uh, you
1: can always take it, but you don't have to do anything with it. You can just kind of let it sit in your brain and then maybe you can use it down the road, but you don't actively apply it. And I'll, I'll use ASICL as a good example, because my product is meant for postpartum women to help recover from vaginal tearing, hemorrhoids, anal fissures, all these lovely pain points that happen during childbirth that nobody talks about. And when I was asking for advice on prototyping from a man, they he did not understand what the use case was. But then when I asked a woman... Biomechanical engineer, they're like, oh yeah, no, exactly what. Yeah, so you to work with someone who understands. Like for me, the problem is torn vaginas and ripped open assholes. I'm gonna say assholes. <laughs> Let's do Maybe it. They're better. Yeah. Um, if you don't understand that pain point, you're not going to be able to help me create a solution for it.
0: There, and you know, there's such there's something so wise there. Um, it makes me think of. Um, I was talking to someone early on who was seeking advice and they asked, well, do you, do you have kids? And now I have two beautiful kids, but back then it was like, yeah, I have a dog. (laughs) And he was like, you know, I think respectfully, I think, I think maybe you're not a great, you're not a great person to get advice from, which I took personal. I was like, I I give good advice. It's the name of the business but now that i have kids i'm like oh okay um and you know what's so funny learning about acicle um so my wife joy we were on a walk yesterday and she went to go see a friend of hers um, who she hadn't seen in several months uh and her friend has a seven month old and so her joy and i are on this walk and I'm like what did you guys talk about and she's like oh we talked about like her delivery and uh, and we talked about, about 45 minutes about like what her delivery was like, which is such a, speaking as a man, just as like a bystander, literally, um, I had no idea. Just, I can't even find the word, like the depth of like... Trauma. Yes, exactly. Yes. And like, I remember with Joy, um, we would do uh, for, it was like a month or more, we would do the sits bath. In our mm-hmm. bathroom, um, which if you're a man listening, I, there's no point in me like explaining this stuff until um, mm-hmm. you've like experienced. It doesn't matter; you're not going to get it. Yeah. But I remember like hanging up the bag of water and like is the water the right temperature? Because we didn't want it to be too hot. Because you know, obviously, she's been through this traumatic experience and her her body's very sensitive and broken. And so I remember like hanging up the the water pouch thing and then running the tube and then I mean we we did this for like a month every day. And, um, and her friend who had just given birth seven months ago had a really bad tear and was and not even just that, but also like the pain of breastfeeding, all this stuff. But when I met you and I heard about acical, I was like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. But hearing what you just said though, about, um, talking to, talking to a man who maybe didn't quite fully understand it. Uh, I, I'm curious, like what that experience, like when it comes to like investors, like is it, Frank. Because he, here's what I think about. <laughs> Joy and I Joy and I were watching an episode of Shark Tank. Um, and and I like Shark. Tank. I had a friend of mine who was on Shark Tank. And so I I I appreciate like what they're doing. But the person pitching was was pitching a um changing station that had a uh digital uh scale on it. And the idea was um when you're changing the baby, you can see how much your baby weighs. And it'll tell you after you've breastfed, um, how much milk the baby has, which joy, we had a really hard time with our first baby, um, with breastfeeding. And so weighing the baby was invaluable for us. Cause we were really like the pediatrician was like, yeah, she's really just not getting a lot. So we, we had no idea, like how much milk is she getting? So we see this product and we're like, oh, this is amazing. We would have loved this. Well, the sharks who you know, I have a different experience, I guess. We're like, I just don't see the, I just don't see people wanting this. I don't see the value in this. And Joy and I were like, are you kidding me? Like this, if I, if I could have had this, this would have been amazing. So my long way around of saying, I'm just curious what your experience is like. Is it, is it like that? We're like, people aren't quite getting it or, or have you been fortunate enough to come across investors who are like, oh yeah, I absolutely. I mean, like, what's that all been like for you?
1: So I think as this this is this is actually something that was really foundational to FemHealth Founders becoming established as an organization to help women entrepreneurs in women's health and wellness connect with resources. So if you, if you're not familiar with FemHealth Founders, please go look our, up our, our website is femhealthfounders.com um, and you can see the ecosystem Sorry, Blake. I know we don't like the word ecosystem, but we're building a resource. No, I didn't
0: mean to make you feel like you couldn't say it. I was only just <laughs> yeah, I was only teasing. Because time every time like, I talk to a startup, they're like, "Yeah, the ecosystem." I'm like, "Okay, yeah, that's that's fine. I get it." <laughs> well, sorry.
1: <laughs> his, you know, for the past extended amount of history, women entrepreneurs are not. When you when you look at the landscape of venture capital, women founded companies are not invested in um, more than I think. It was like 2.5% of VC funding went to women founded hmm. companies in wow. 2022, just last year. Oh I my mean, gosh.
0: Wow. Are they going to say like, <laughs> you know, 20 years ago? <laughs>
1: and it's and, going and back and, is, in Arkansas, it's even less and it's going backwards.
0: Is And is the investor like the VC space, is it male dominated or? Absolutely. Okay. they're
1: There are, and I don't have the stat in front of me, but it's something that we highlight quite a bit with the health founders because the investors are predominantly male and they're predominantly white. And one of our assumptions is that, you know, women are not being invested in because investors don't see themselves in these founders and they don't see themselves. They don't understand a lot of the, specifically in women's health. That is more of what I can speak on because I've been in that space for a couple of years now men don't understand menstruation. They don't understand the value of providing solutions to menstruation to half of the world's population who has period. Mm -hmm. They don't understand breastfeeding issues. They don't understand torn vaginas. They don't understand um, a lot of these complex issues that we struggle with, with our bodies, because they themselves have not been able to experience the pain points. Right. Right. And then, you also look at um, women, uh, health, the research space around health issues. Um, women have not, women were excluded from clinical trials up until like 1980 something. So women's bodies were not included in medical trials for ever <laughs> until the last 20 years. So the data yeah. supports a lot of male um, metabolism, male data. So there's just not a lot of data around the uh, the market size of women's health.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. I it's yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, again, this is going to sound so chauvinistic. I, I feel like I understood what a period was. <laughs> you know, I feel like I was like, yeah, childbirth's hard. Okay. Yeah. And not, not that I'd ever say that to my wife or anybody, but I, I feel like I conceptually understood childbirth. And then, um, just, just the moments after my daughter was born, um, and I was in the room also, um, so my wife pushed for four hours and was just exhausted and ragged. And, um, I always have to say she did without any kind of, I just feel like it's such like a moment of pride, but without any kind of medication, um, it's all natural. And I just, it was kind of just, it was so eye opening in the sense of like, I conceptually understood, but I didn't actually understand. And just being a bystander in her recovery process, um, I just have a hard time imagining a male investor really, I can't find the words, resonating in the same way um, as a woman investor, as a female investor would. And that's not to say you know, for you male investors out there. It's, I'm, not to, I'm not to exclude you, but yeah. but I, I do think it's just different. And so I, I was just curious about your journey and what that's been like. Um, and actually, it, it actually opens my eyes even more to why female Founders is so valuable. Um, but it is funny as a bystander now, learning about Asico, I said this a second ago, I was just like, oh my gosh, I wish we had had this whenever yeah. Joy went through... Um, the second one was a lot easier, but with Melee, we were just like, I think we had like, I don't remember, it was like some kind of like foam or like cotton, like ice pack thing that like you, you put it in the freezer or something. And then it was like single <laughs> use. It was kind of, yes, yes, that's right. Yeah.
1: Right um, away. And it creates a ton of waste for the environment. That's one yeah. of the
0: things
1: we're trying to solve with Acicle. Ours is reusable. Shameless plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, um, how do you, how it, do you, it is,
1: it's, you know, when I, when I talk to women about it, it's just, it's the same thing with like the design of the product. going to a, a man with the, the concept versus going to a woman with the concept, one, not understanding the problem and the other understanding the problem. Um, oh, when I talk to male investors about this product, they're like, oh, I didn't know that was a I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that happened. And when I talk to women investors, they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah. yes, of course, women need this, and it's yeah. half of the population." And this, there's you know, four million women that give birth in the United States every year. That's a huge market size. So the conversations are black and white different mm. between talking to men about this product and this business and the market opportunity versus women,
0: so and you-
1: the, knowing how few women investors there are versus men, it's, it's hard.
0: I mean, you have to get funding. So like, what's the, like, do you, like, what is it, what is your process for like your pitch events or like when you're, you're talking to investors? I mean, cause I know these, I, I I've never had to pitch to anybody or to find funding for my business. Um, but I had a friend of mine who did a um, two your door food delivery service. This was pre COVID never yeah, could get I'm enough sure. funding. Uh, what's that
1: hunter right
0: no this was um his name is joshua Ayers. uh i can't think of the name of his business it went it went out of business he couldn't get enough funding for it but um he talked about how frustrating it was to convince people why people would want this and now post covid when this is like it's a world of easy bins you know it's like yeah. it's just so normal he's he's not resentful but he's just like i can't believe these people did not believe me that this was like a valuable thing so i'm just curious like do you have like a, do you have two separate pitch decks? Like what, like how yeah. do you, how do you go like through this five. process? Okay. I
1: have like five different pitch decks. Um Pitching is a very complex process and it's, it depends on what kind of funding you want to go after. You can get um angel investors. You can go, which are more like individual,
0: mm-hmm.
1: smaller check sizes. You can go the venture capital route, the VC route, which is, Oh intimidating. intimidating. Um, and also very uh, th- they're expecting really large returns right. in a very specific time frame. So it, it's less founder friendly, but it sometimes it's necessary for the companies that really need to scale fast, really fast. They need a lot amount, of, they need a large amount of capital in order to go to market or to scale or whatever they're setting out to do. Or you can take out a, a traditional loan or you can, apply to, you know, 10 pitch competitions and try to win non-dilutive funding, which non-dilutive means the funding that you're receiving, they're not taking any equity out of your company. It's simply like a business grant. Um, So there are lots of options and it's, you know, it's, you have to navigate it. You have to kind of make some decisions around how much of your company you're willing to give up Um, you have to make a decision on around what kinds of investors you want to be working with, because an investor is almost like a marriage. Like you're going to be with that person or that firm for five, 10 years. Um, There's, there's not, there's no one answer. You just have to kind of write down what you want and then try to go after it and surround yourself with advisors and mentors that can steer you in the right direction. Kind of going back to our, one of our previous talking points of like don't ask for advice from everyone yeah be very strategic about the advice that you're seeking and who you're seeking it from
0: so all of this on top of running a business um, yeah. is stroke worthy and i don't know that's a <laughs> bad plan and all all the
1: sports, if this is this i don't know how many of your listeners have young kids like elementary age kids but the Youth sports right now are insane.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty much like, we're never going to do this. And I don't care. Like what people say, like we have, I mean, our kids are too young still. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, but we have close friends who their kids are, I think seven and nine and like yeah. every day, every week. It's like, when do we want to get together this week? And it's like, oh, well, you know, so I'm, I'm in a phase where I'm like, you know, the dumped ex who never gets to see my friends. Cause they're kids, <laughs> you know, so naturally I'm peeved about it, but Seriously. it is a lot.
1: Where we have two, our kids are four and six and two boys and they're obsessed with sports. They love baseball, they love soccer, they love football, they love all, like they are sports fanatics. And so we're in four different sports right now and it is unrealistic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Well, so like, um, have you just had to build like a pacing, I guess, because it's like, you know, it's it, this is something else. I think it's hard for people to understand when they hear about someone being an entrepreneur. Opt- because I, I have friends and family who are like, you know, oh yeah, man, like, what's your work? This must be just great. And they don't necessarily see like it's Sunday night, and you know, Joy wants to like watch a movie, and it's like I, I really have to get some things together for the week, or it's like you know, it's six o'clock, and I hear like my kids are screaming because. And my wife needs help, and I feel like the tension between like, man, I really have to finish, but I also want to be present. Um, and I don't know if that necessarily ever goes away, but I am curious, like your pacing, because I, I for you, I put it in three buckets as an observer: being a parent, you mentioned it earlier, being a parent and a spouse, um, being uh, someone who is not just um, looking for funding, but just is is cognizant of like the scalable part of the business. And then like purely being a business owner. You have a product, ASICL that you want to sell. What does it look like to develop it? Continue to, to develop it. Um, get it in front of customers, take like all the things that we as normal business owners are doing. Like, how do you how do you find your pacing for all of those things? Or 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 do you? Is it a mess? I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's that's why I was in the hospital two weeks ago. It's a, I haven't done a good job of pacing myself. I think, um, there there is a a good amount of patience uh, that is needed for um in entrepreneurship but also a a major sense of urgency so being able yeah. to kind of and the word balance is unrealistic in right. this space there's yeah. no balance kind of it ebbs and flows and and i i am taking advice from a very wise entrepreneur uh, that i I'm lucky to have it as a mentor and friend, but she's like, doesn't dedicate Monday to just plan, Mm. just plan your day. The first half of Monday, just sit down, like, what do I need to do? Kind of look at the overarching KPIs, objectives, you know, whatever structure it is that you have designed as the best resource for your business, and plan it out so that you're not. I find myself feeling like I'm spinning my wheels. I'm like doing all this stuff, but I'm not actually. I don't feel productive. But then when I look back, I'm like, oh, wow, I did all that stuff. Hmm. And now I'm, and now I have a, you know, a, a library of pitch decks and I have a, I've developed a list of, of uh, key stakeholders that I want right. to continue moving along the journey with Asicle or with FemHealth Founders or with Pros Creative. And I had to make a very intentional decision to scale back one of my companies so that I can focus on the other two. Right. So that's a really hard decision to make um, to, to, Um, decrease my workload and my project load with Pros Creative so that I could scale up. I I had more time to dedicate to ASICL and FemHealth Founders. And sometimes you just have to give, uh, one of my friends made a great, um, it's not allegory, what's the, like a metaphor of keeping all the balls up in the, you have to juggle all these balls, but make sure the glass ones stay up, like all the other ones can kind of they're fine, but make sure those glass ones stay up. So what are the pro- priorities and what's most important?
0: Yeah. I've heard of it. Um, I have a mentor who he calls it uh crystal balls and rubber balls and like yeah. the rubber balls rubber balls you can drop because mm-hmm. they'll bounce back, but the crystal yeah. balls <laughs> will ruin your business, I guess. But yeah. And it's, and it, it's,
1: it's, it's distracted by like the, f- the f- more fun things, like taking I, a meeting with someone who may or may not be, a stakeholder, but you just want to get to know them better. And sometimes, you know, that's what I get excited about. I love building relationships with people. So I'm more likely to take that lunch meeting than to sit down and go for the financial projections for the next three to five years. Yeah. But financial projections are so important. <laughs> so I need to sit my ass down and look at those spreadsheets.
0: And I, I think, I think sometimes people, I think don't understand what you just mentioned in the sense of like, is that like snooty in some way, but like, I think, I think running a business well means being exclusive isn't the right word, but it's like protective of your time and your boundaries and like what you say no to. And, you know, this person wants to get lunch, but like, I don't know, for me, it's hard not to frame it through the perspective of my business where it's like, man, if I had endless time, the answer would be yes. But because my time, I mean, obviously their time times valuable too, but I, I just have found myself being more mindful, I guess, on, you know, I really can't take that meeting because of these other things. I guess these crystal balls that I, my family's counting on me not to drop really, um, especially my customers.
1: Um, Exactly. And I find I, I get FOMO myself. Like I hate missing out on the happy hours and the, you know, the more social, and I get a lot of value out of social gatherings because I think I do a very, a really good job of creating relationships that could, organically turn into professional relationships, whether it's
0: Mm.
1: copywriting support with pros, or whether it's a potential donor for FemHealth founders, or whether it's a customer for Like I I think I do a good job of that. However, now that I'm setting some boundaries for my family as well, I can't go to all the happy hours and I'm okay with that now. It took me a while to be like, oh gosh, I can't go to Maxine's tonight and meet up with this group of women and da, da, da. Um,
0: but you still found time to come on a podcast technically twice since we had to record because <laughs> we had to record it twice. <laughs> so so and here here's what's interesting. I think people listening, uh, and I, I hope you guys haven't walked away with like entrepreneurship's miserable. I mean because obviously uh-huh. right but, but, I, but no, but I think this is here's what's really funny. I've talked about this a lot on the podcast because I've had so many people who've come on, people I have deep respect for um, who are out there building their businesses. And many people come on the podcast who are, um, like I mentioned earlier, seven, eight figure businesses, and I've never had anyone come on and tell a story unlike yours in the sense of, oh yeah, it just, it was so easy. It just happened. Like every, literally every person who's come on has told a story like yours of just the grind and the mess, I guess, of entrepreneurship. Uh, so I think our long-term listeners resonate with that, but I'm curious for you specifically, it, it is not quite as sexy as social media presents entrepreneurship to be, excuse me. Um, what, why do you do this to yourself? <laughs> why do you what, <laughs> you, what gets you going every day, every week? The, the zest of it, the, yeah, like I'm going to, I'm getting after this. I'm making this happen. Like, why, why do you keep doing classical and like moving forward with this and, and, and continuing to push on through this?
1: Yeah. So I think this is one of those questions that I answered before the hit record button. And I was like, Oh, it's a great answer. So I'm like, gonna- but I think there, there are three things that I think keep me highly motivated and, um, to, to continue doing this work. And, uh, Potentially ending up in the ER, but I don't expect to do that again anytime soon. <laughs> Please don't
0: go to the ER. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so I think the the first one is me kind of looking back and remembering what it was like to be a new mom myself, um, experiencing that you know the the physical pain and the emotional and mental pain of childbirth. And I have a an incredibly supportive spouse. I have family in the area. I have a strong community of friends and and um, you know neighbors that were caring for me, but I still remember feeling so isolated and alone because mm. society tells us as as moms that we should be able to do it all. You have mm. a baby, start working out after six weeks, you get back in the saddle, you go back to work and it's, you know, you just, that's just how you do it. And that's not the case for so many women. And so I think being able to provide, you know, if acical can be one kind of funny, shining, pain relieving, Point in their healing journey, it's totally worth it to me. Um, so helping moms is is just truly a passion. The second one is, um, uh, uh, throughout my professional career, um, politics has been politics and community engagement has been a big role in in how I work. And uh, women's access to reproductive rights and healthcare has been kind of one of the strong platforms that. Um, that I have maintained over the last 20 years. And I think the work that we're doing with, with ASICL, with advocating for women and advocating for access to products that really help our health journeys. Um, and then also the work that we're doing with them, health founders around mm. policy, you know, research and funding for women entrepreneurs um, is incredibly important. Um, and the third one, shit, what was it, Blake? <laughs> this is my second one. And the last one, Uh,
0: so far you're two for two. The first two have been really great. So
1: (laughs) I have to come back to that. There's a, there's a third one that, um,
0: I'm sure you said it earlier too, when I doped and realized (laughs) I wasn't recording.
1: (laughs) It'll come to me, but there's a third one. And, and, you know, it is, it's, it's a lot of work, but it really is. It's very fulfilling. Um, I can't, I couldn't see myself doing any, anything else.
0: Um, so I I just recorded a podcast episode. It's not live yet, but I was I was thinking about this topic of like the long-term grind and the thing that I eventually landed on in talking about this was you have to be passionate about helping people ultimately. And um so I'm not surprised to hear you say that. Like if I can make the difference for one person, like it's worth it. And I have found that that perspective to be the case for people who are working years on end to grow up their 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 startup, their business, what have you. It's like this deep longing, passion, maybe even obsession with I I see the need and I want to help people. Um and I, I see that I hear I hear that in you as well as you're talking about, you know, wanting to help people. Um, and then what I mentioned in the episode was um I think the secret sauce is both doing that and then finding a way to make money with it as yeah. well. Um which goal, like I said I'm, I'm not just, you know, being polite. Um I really as a bystander, I really like the product and I can really see it being something valuable.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it is it's a massive market. I mean, if you look at the, the population of the world, you know, 51% are women and You take a, you know, a chunk out of that population size that have kids and it's still massive, Mm -hmm. 95% of all vaginal deliveries result in some level of tearing. That's Mm -hmm. a lot of vaginas. And then that doesn't even encompass hemorrhoids and all the other trauma that happens uh, during childbirth. So it's a significant market opportunity, which kind of going back to the investor conversations, it's it's something that I really have to hone in on when I'm pitching to investors or doing these pitch competitions because, you know, women's health is just kind of glazed over, unfortunately.
0: Which is so surprising to me, but in a cynical way, it also kind of makes sense. And not not like in the sense like it's right. I just mean like I I see why. Um, which now I'm at the point of the conversation where I can't remember what's what we've said under recording and what we haven't. So I'm like, are we repeating this or? Um. Yeah. It's
1: and then, and then if you take into consideration the the state of healthcare, like nobody really trusts the healthcare system in the United States anymore. So we're seeing an emergence of direct-to-consumer brands, um, kind of unconventional approaches to healthcare delivery. So it's mm. kind of it's a really exciting time to be involved in health innovation, women's health innovation. And as someone who likes to kind of disrupt shit every once in a while, like it's (laughs) kind of fun to be a part of the conversations around like, okay, women are not being cared for in the manner in which they should. And such a critical part of their women's health journey as delivering a baby, what can we do to change that? And we're probably not going to work with hospitals initially because hospitals aren't adapting the technologies and the innovations that we're wanting to see in the near term because it's a No, it's steering a massive cruise liner versus a little speedboat that we're in. You know,
0: I guess, I guess it depends on the hospital. Right. Cause like my sister-in-law is a travel nurse and she's talked about, I don't know if progressive is the right word, but like hospitals that are very pretty much like whatever you want, like we will make it happen. And then there's other hospitals where she's like, man, if you're not doing it exactly the way they want you to, this is very difficult. Um, so I guess, I guess, yeah, it's going to depend on who you end up working with. And, but I really like what you mentioned about that direct to consumer. Um, cause and also what I think of is, and I'm sure you obviously know this is your product, but, um, some of these things I wouldn't even know I would need until after I left the hospital, like joy and I had no idea what the recovery process would be like until she was, you know, at home still bleeding. You know, I can't think what that pad's called that you sleep on that uh, people don't have kids. It's going to sound really gross, but it's just, it's just is what it is. But this pad she was sleeping on that she was basically bleeding into at night. um,
1: You bleed a lot after childbirth, regardless of vaginal or C-section. Not, not a lot of people know that going into childbirth. And, and another thing, you know, since this is an advice podcast, I would love to share some advice to anyone who's expecting to have a baby anytime soon. Double up on the Colace and or whatever stool softener brand you prefer because that f- going poop following delivery is, was one of the more traumatic experiences for myself and many other women that I talked to. So don't worry about pooping on the floor during delivery. <laughs> oxygen killer And you're going to want. To give that out of you after you deliver the yeah.
0: baby. Joy was honestly scared about actually now she's probably to be like, Did you really talk about how I was feeling about pooping after? <laughs> yeah.
1: It was her time. Yes, yeah. yeah. I agree. Like,
0: no. mm-hmm. Um well, hey, this has been a great conversation that happened twice. Um, but no, seriously, <laughs> thank you for coming on the show today. And right. I, I want to know for people who are listening, um, so this episode, so we're recording right now, um, for our listeners right now, it's May. This episode is going to be published, um, probably like early fall, uh, around that time. Um, people listening, is there a way for them to, like, I don't know what like the product plan is, but like, are they able to get the ASICL product or if not, is there, how can they support or follow for info on, on all your projects? Um, what's the next step for our listeners?
1: Thank you for asking. Yeah, we will have we have a wait list up right now for anyone who wants to um, receive updates on the product launch. Uh, We're still in we're at the end of prototyping, kind of continuing the R&D stage with the product, with the device. And then we'll be doing a fundraise here soon to get capital to go into manufacturing. Um, which is a very long, arduous process that I don't recommend to anyone, but I'm happy to do it. So com is our website, and I'd love for people to um, sign up for the waitlist and receive product launch updates. Um, and then we have been talking a bit about FemHealth Founders, which is a women's health innovation hub here in uh, – it's based here in Northwest Arkansas, but we're focused on heartland um, women entrepreneurs who are developing solutions in women's health and wellness. So if you have an idea for a women's health and wellness solution, we'd love to hear from you. Or if you are a supporter of women's health innovation, um, we'd love to connect with you as well. And that website is thinhealthfounders.com.
0: Great. So and we'll have
1: a copywriter, proscreative.com. <laughs> you can talk to me, find me on LinkedIn. We can talk yeah. about all kinds of fun
0: stuff. So I'll have all these links in the episode description. Um, So proscreator.com, femhealthfounders.com, and then theacicle.com. It's just how it sounds. uh, A-S-S-I-C-L-E, theacicle.com, where you can get on the wait list. Uh, Even if you don't necessarily need it yourself, you get on the wait list to buy it for a friend or someone you know who's expecting. Probably be, I would guess, maybe their favorite gift. I think So anyway, Elizabeth, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast today and for being patient with my recording shenanigans. And uh, we hope to have you on again soon.
1: Thank you, Blake. So good
0: to see you. Tell Joy I said hi. I will. And hey, for our listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, what the heck are you waiting on? Click the subscribe or follow buttons so you can keep getting good advice wherever you are. Don't forget, if you want to support the podcast, we have a Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash goodadvice. Or if you're a business owner and you want your business talked about at the start of our episodes, you can also email me blake at goodadvicecoaching.com for all your advertising needs. Thanks so much for listening today. That's today's good advice. We'll catch you later. See ya.